How's that? Fantastic. Well, I opened a fridge uh, this, the other week and, and found myself faced with one of the great dilemmas known to first world societies. Now, it was a communal fridge at college, so that might help lead you towards where I'm going. The dilemma I was faced with was, is that milk safe to drink? Now, what's safe for one person might not be safe for another. I'm sure this is a question you've asked yourself at some stage. Is that milk safe to drink? And you've no doubt got a method that you would go through, maybe a procedure that you work out, is this milk safe for me to drink? Maybe you open up the the lid and you you look in and you're looking for chunks or something, I'm not sure. (laughs) Yogurt's not supposed to be in a milk container, there's a hint. Maybe you um, give it a smell, yeah, if it's fruity, that's not right. Or maybe, maybe those, those two things haven't been able to satisfy the question, and you've got to take a sip, don't you? You've got to taste. Is that milk safe to drink? In our, whole, in our series on the Holy Spirit this morning, we're looking at being filled with the Spirit. Now, it's a term that causes much difference of opinion in Christian circles. And much of it, it's like the question, is the milk safe to drink? The question that being filled with the Holy Spirit raises, actually, I think there's two questions. I think they are, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I think they're the two great questions that we have on our minds as we face this topic. Now, I think sometimes people uh, confuse the terms filled with the Holy Spirit with being baptised with the Holy Spirit. And, and in doing this, they might see it as a, an occasional super spiritual experience that needs to happen. And we won't be looking in depth at baptism in the Spirit today. But put simply, being baptised with the Spirit is to be understood in terms of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's something that happens to every believer at the moment that they put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been baptised with the Holy Spirit. It's not something that designates a higher or more spiritual level of Christian. It's not something extra to attain. It is the personal presence of the Spirit himself dwelling in the life of every believer. If you are a Christian, you have been baptised in the Holy Spirit. But but whilst being baptised with the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit happens to every believer at their conversion, 
In Ephesians 5, Paul commands every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at our first question this morning. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I think being filled with the Holy Spirit should actually describe a Christian's life. There are people in the book of Acts who are, who are described as being full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen and Barnabas. No doubt we could add Paul as well to that group. And they were men who were motivated by the Holy Spirit. Motivated to pre preach the good news of Jesus Christ boldly, with conviction. They were men who were moved and encouraged to serve God's people. We might say that they were men who were carried along by the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit. And like food colouring colours icing sugar, their lives were coloured by the Holy Spirit. It permeated their lives to the point where they could be described as full of the Spirit. So I think in this way, there's actually a subtlety to being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21, will actually, I think, help us see this subtlety. And that's the passage where we're going to base ourselves today. So why don't you turn with me there now, if you have your Bibles, or it is up there on the screen for you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 21. The Apostle Paul says, Look, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. As it describes a Christian's life, being filled with the Spirit should be an ongoing occurrence. We see that in verses 15 to 18. Paul says, look carefully how you walk. In this language of walking, it's simply to say how you conduct your life how you live, how you behave. Paul has been using this language of, of walking right throughout the letter to the Ephesians. He's used it twice in chapter 2, twice in chapter 4, 
This is now the third time he uses it in chapter 5. Sort of walking language has day-to-day connotations to it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as such, it should encompass every area of a Christian's life. Nothing should be off-limits. Nothing should be unaffected. Now, if you come over to my house at some stage, you'll probably notice as you come in the front door, there'll be a room that has its doors closed just to your right-hand side. That's the study. That's the junk room. That's off-limits. And I think we've all got like a junk room or something like that in our houses, don't we? Maybe there's, you know, someone's coming over and you're grabbing the dirty washing, you're chucking it on your bed and you're closing the door. That's off-limits. It's not to be like that in the Christian life. It's not to be like that with the Holy Spirit. We're not to have a junk room where the Holy Spirit is not allowed in. He must permeate every area of our life. Being filled with the Spirit is not something that we can also put in our backpacks to pull out when we need it. It's not something that we seek to grab when we desire a spiritual high or a spiritual rush or an emotional experience. Being filled with the Spirit should be everyday wear, not our Sunday best. It's not something we put on to spruce ourselves up. We don't don it for special occasions. But it's something that we should be going about our everyday life. It should describe our life as an ongoing occurrence. But not only that, being filled with the Spirit is used by Paul in contrast to self. The buts in verses 15 to 18 sort of help highlight that for us. We see a contrast between the spirit and the self and our self. This contrast has actually been going throughout the letter to the Ephesians. In chapter 5, it's not to walk as unwise, but as wise. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. In chapter 4, Paul has been describing some of the ways that Christians might act if they're acting out of self. It's a fleshly nature kind of action. Some of the behaviours he lists are unwholesome talk, bitterness, rage, slander and malice. These sort of behaviours should not be defining our lives. 
the Holy Spirit should be. The Holy Spirit must be the controlling and motivating influence over us, not ourself. The Holy Spirit shouldn't be used to describe a self-serving spiritual experience. An experience where someone portrays the Spirit's presence and power in their life. So that they themselves might seem to be all that and a bag of potato chips. And because being filled with the Holy Spirit describes a life in an ongoing and selfless way, the Holy Spirit shouldn't just influence the worship that may take place on a Sunday morning. It should influence the worship that takes place every day in the Christian's life. Not only that, it should actually describe the Christian community. In verses 19 to 21. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We see here the the results of being filled with the Spirit as a community. So as the individual should have their life expressed in joy and praise to God, in thanksgiving to God, and in submission, love and respect. This is also the sort of things that should describe the community of believers. The life of the church should be described by the Spirit. Being a community of believers who are filled with the Spirit means that the church community should be a place of joy. The church community should be a place of encouragement. The church community should be a place of praise. The church community should be a place of thankfulness. And the church community should be a place of love and respect, of mutual submission. Unfortunately, this is not always the way churches are described, is it? In fact, some churches appear to be spiritually empty. For some, this happens because they have consciously departed from gospel truth and instead opted for a self-serving life. 
For other churches, this happens by unconsciously departing from the joy of delighting in God, opting instead for a steady and comfortable life. I wonder which of these three descriptions might describe our church. Maybe we don't neatly fit into one or the other. Maybe we're a bit of a merger of a, of a couple. Being filled by the Spirit as describing a Christian's life, as describing a Christian community. I think is saying that the fruit of the Spirit should be evidenced and should be obvious in our lives. What it means to be filled by the Spirit is a life that is described by the Spirit. What it looks to be what does it look like to be filled by the Spirit? I think this question touches on how the, the Spirit manifests himself in the lives of those he fills. Being filled with the Spirit should in fact dominate a Christian's life. I think this here is sort of these two definitions, whether it's described or dominate, is, is possibly where there has been departure, where people have gone to one extreme or another. Maybe those in more conservative circles have, have sought to be described as being filled by the Spirit. Whereas those in more charismatic circles have, have emphasised the domination of the Spirit in a believer's life. I think there's danger in going to either extreme friends. The danger in, in only seeing being filled by the Spirit as describing the Christian life is the danger that you might lose your joy, your delight in the Lord for who he is and what he has done for you. Think the danger in, in seeing being filled by the Spirit as dominating the Christian life is you start looking for these supernatural experiences. The danger here is that you, you start to forget the, the regular occurrence, the ongoing nature of being filled. You start to seek self over the Spirit himself. But that doesn't mean that the Spirit shouldn't and doesn't dominate the Christian life. The Bible gives us examples of the Holy Spirit dominating a person's life to achieve God's purposes. In the Old Testament, we see examples of God's people being dominated by the Spirit. In some instances... The Spirit is manifested through special artistic abilities. In others, it's through superhuman strength. 
At other times, it's through the ability to prophesy and speak the very words of God. In others, it's to perform miracles and healings. The Christian's life is to be dominated by the Spirit. In the New Testament, we see those being filled by the Spirit in places like Acts chapter 2. They find themselves speaking in other languages, proclaiming the message of Jesus to, to people who do not know the language. Chapter 2, verses 4 to 8 of Acts. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the disciples of Jesus it's talking about. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? In Acts 4, we see the Holy Spirit dominating followers of Jesus. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We looked a couple of weeks ago about the Holy Spirit's work in relation to the word of God. And you might remember we talked about lights. How many of us have noticed the house lights this morning? The reason we might not notice them is because they're doing their job. And their job is to illuminate what is here. It's not to draw attention to themselves. It is the same with the Holy Spirit. He does not seek to draw attention to himself, but to the person and work of Jesus. That's why we can see the disciples of Jesus being filled with the Spirit and boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus. In Acts 6, we also see people being filled with the Spirit, and that manifests itself through the administration of providing for widows. We should be seeking to be dominated by the Spirit. And I had, a, I had a scenario just this last week that, that might help us understand what I'm talking about. On Tuesday, we received a call in the office. It was by a gentleman who was quite distressed and was wanting to talk to a pastor urgently. Now, I can tell you that as I was driving to meet with this gentleman... I was praying very firmly that the Holy Spirit would dominate me. That the Holy Spirit would control my words, my thoughts, 
and my actions so that I could love and care for this gentleman well. Christians need to be dominated by the Holy Spirit. Most often this domination happens through the use of our gifts. The gifts that the Spirit gives to believers. When the Holy Spirit empowers a believer's life. When the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in a believer. The believer receives gifts. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be using these gifts, whatever they might be. And in those moments of need, we need to be seeking to be dominated and controlled by the Spirit so that that can happen. And the use of these gifts, which we'll talk more about in a couple of weeks' time, we'll see is to be used for the building up of the people of God. It's to be used to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to encourage fellow believers and to draw others to Christ. The Spirit should both dominate and describe our lives as Christians. And this should be done for God's glory to achieve his purposes. But if I'm honest with you, I can say that's not always the case. I find myself questioning, Mark, where on earth did that come from? Maybe you do the same. You get through your day and you're like, whoa, that was all about me all of a sudden. It's not true that the Christian life here will be absolutely described as filled with the Spirit, will be absolutely dominated by the Spirit. We are still people who sin. We are jars of clay, jars that leak. And so we constantly need to be refilled with the Spirit. Now there are some danger signs and some warning signs of not being filled with the Spirit. I think one of those relates to sin. Sin can lose its sinfulness if we are not filled with the Spirit. We can start to lack sensitivity to sin in our lives. We can become happy to live with unconfessed sin. We need to be regularly filled with the Spirit. There are warning signs in our prayer life as well. we're not regularly filled with the Spirit, prayer can become a duty rather than a joy. It can be something that is self-seeking, where we want the outcomes 
to benefit us, not necessarily others or the kingdom of God. Another warning sign might be that the word of God isn't as appealing to us. Maybe we'd prefer to, to look at Facebook than we would the word of God. Maybe there's more of an anticipation of what news we might find there rather than the good news that we'll find in the scriptures. Dangers of not being filled with the Spirit also relate to our ministry as believers. We can lack dependence on God's power to do our ministry. We find the places where we feel strong. We play to our own strengths and don't find ourselves stretched. There's dangers in not being filled with the Spirit. The, the next question that I, I sort of hope you're asking, I think we need to be asking is, well then how do we get filled with the Spirit? How are we filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit? I think it's important to say that we cannot manipulate God. We cannot manipulate His Spirit. There's no secret pattern of words to say or religious jargon or acts to perform or hoops to jump through in order to corral the Holy Spirit into filling our lives. But whilst we don't control or manipulate the Spirit of God, we do have a part to play. And that is much like we first come to our Lord Jesus. We need to come in humility. We need to come in dependence on God. As Romans 12 would say, we need to offer our bodies as sacrifices to God. Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Being filled with the Spirit means surrendering control of our lives to God's Spirit. And to surrender this control to God requires us to empty ourselves of ourself. Or as Paul says to the Philippians, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even, even death 
on the cross. We are to humble ourselves. We are to empty ourselves. And it might go without saying, but we need to come before God and ask him to fill us with his spirit. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 has these words of encouragement for us in that. John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and we know that we have what we have asked of him. If we ask God to fill us with his spirit, he will. Now I think we need to set up patterns and habits in our lives that help us to be filled with the Spirit in an ongoing and in a selfless way. And one of the most effective ways of doing this is through habits of regular and conscious disciplines. Quiet times and prayer. Reading the Bible and praying to God plays a crucial role in our ongoing filling with the Spirit. And so many of us depend on a cup of coffee to get conscious in the morning. How many of us have a conscious dependence on the Spirit? It's like as soon as our feet hit the floor, the jug needs to pour. There's something we can do about it, friends. Before being stimulated by your morning brew, why not look to be stimulated by the Spirit? Start your day in conversation with God, and I think you'll find it'll be easier to continue in that. When your eyes open, take a deep breath and give thanks. Thanks for life. And when you find yourself going down that road, that is self-seeking. Take it to God and ask to be filled with his spirit. We need to be filled with his spirit to be able to live the Christian life, to be able to handle difficult conversations, to be able to make the most of opportunities to share Jesus with others. I wonder, is there an area of your life that might seem to be off limits to the Holy Spirit at the moment? 
I would encourage you to surrender that area to him this morning. Maybe you've noticed a warning sign or one of the dangers that's creeping into your life. Maybe that desire for God and that joy that comes from him is becoming quenched. I encourage you, confess that to God today. Bring it to him and ask him to fill you afresh with his spirit. Let me pray. Our loving Lord, we thank you that you are so generous with us. That you freely give us your spirit. Lord, we acknowledge that as your people, we need to be filled with your spirit. We need it to be what describes our life. We need him to dominate our lives. So, Father, we ask that you would come this morning. Fill us afresh with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to share around the communion table this morning. So if you're helping with that, can you come forward, please? Paul's command to be filled with the Spirit is actually something that is totally dependent on God. For the Greekies, it's, it's in the passive voice. There's not, it, like it's not something we do. It's something God does in us. Whilst we have a part to play in in humbly coming before him, submitting control of our life to him, and acting in dependence on him, the fact is we are totally dependent on Christ for us to be filled with his spirit. And the communion table draws us also to acknowledge our dependence on Jesus. We acknowledge that there is no way that we can die to ourselves except that we have a saviour who has died for us. We acknowledge that there is no way that we can live with the spirit apart from a saviour who resurrects us to new life in his spirit. The Lord's table here is something that we do as a regular occurrence. It is something where we gather around and acknowledge our joining with Jesus in his death which enables us to join with him in his life. It's a place where we should come humble and with attitudes of dependence 
on God. It's a place where we should come examining our own lives. Looking for warning signs. Looking for the place where we could be described as self rather than spirit. We should come and offer ourselves to God. Offer ourselves to the eyes of his spirit to show us where we might have unconfessed sin in our lives. where we might be going down a path that sees his spirit's work quenched in our lives. So as we come to the the Lord's table this morning, that is something we need to be doing. We need to examine our lives. This is an opportunity for us to offer afresh ourselves to our Lord, the one on whom we depend For life through his spirit. The communion table is something that is for everyone who has trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. It's not just for those who call North Pine Baptist their church home. So if that is you this morning, I invite you to join with us around the Lord's table. But if that is not you, today, I would encourage you to think about what we've looked at this morning. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You'll be served a small cup of juice and a little piece of bread. I invite you to to eat the, the bread in your own time. Allow the Spirit to examine you. Confess anything that needs to be confessed. But I ask you to hold on to that cup of juice. That's something we're going to drink together as, as, as a sign of our unity as the body of Christ.